Um, okay, I was, I was going. I was going. Sorry. Fine. It's fine. Welcome to the Leading Lady Club. We are your hosts. I'm Caitlin. I'm Lauren. And welcome to the show. Welcome We're to back. season two Baby. of the show. Woo. Welcome, welcome. We are so excited to be back. We have missed you all. We have missed uh, doing this show. We have missed interviewing awesome ladies. So we're, we're back. Very excited. Better than ever. Yes, absolutely. Very excited to be back. And I feel like we have a lot of fun things in store for season two. So I'm pretty really good ladies that we're talking yes. to. Yes, we've already interviewed quite a few already. So we're pretty excited for you to hear the interviews that we have done and the ones we have coming up. We got mm-hmm. exciting things. And uh, going back to season one for a moment, we have some of our season one ladies have had some exciting things going on. Yeah. So we love to hype up uh our ladies when we see them doing awesome things and the Disney princess the concert formerly known as the Broadway princess party is having their world premiere at the time of recording this I believe they just well I don't know what time it is over there but I think they just had it like tonight slash so yay (laughs) um so so exciting for them they're literally in Saudi Arabia which is just crazy to think Mm -hmm. that they went all that way to premiere this production and it's crazy to think back that when we had susan egan on she was literally telling us about what it would be like and what all you know what they would have in store for the show and they had they had just announced that it was like going to be a thing that they had partnered with disney and all of that when that episode came out so we've really kind of seen this journey play out and uh we're so excited for them and for our other season one lady who's part of it courtney reed who also we just love to brag on our friends it's the best we do. We do. Um, especially people who are doing just exceptional things the best things uh courtney if you haven't heard has been officially cast as satine in the <sighs> moulin rouge national tour which i'm just so, so exciting thrilled about she's gonna crush it I already oh my gosh. She's, gonna crush she's literally perfect like there's never been a more perfect casting decision made ever probably since the beginning of time so truly, truly. Just, you know, that's that wasn't a hyperbole at all that's no that was complete that was fact mm-hmm, that's fact so anyway congrats to courtney and susan Yay. and all of our friends at disney princess the concert slash the broadway princess party we are very proud of you guys and very you are just the absolute biggest leading ladies there are now yeah international leading ladies so we love to see it Mm -hmm. speaking of leading ladies lauren what uh what have you been watching on tv anything about leading ladies i don't know oh you know that was that was not your best i'm not gonna lie to you that's not not the best wasn't my worst wasn't your worst it wasn't well yeah middle of the road that's fine anyway i've been watching dairy girls i just finished dairy girls speaking of leading ladies it is incredible. It was so 
funny. I am very sad to learn that their upcoming third season is going to be their last season. That's a real bummer. It is. Oh, did I just ruin your life? I'm so sorry. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, it's going to be their last one. But it's just, it's so funny. I loved how they incorporated, like, I don't I don't know much about the Troubles, as they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was cool to kind of see stuff about that. That was fun. They're all of my people. I felt like I was watching my people when I watched this Indeed. I guess they're probably my people somewhere in the back. I'm, I know we're Irish somewhere, but that's okay. Whatever. Um, but yeah, it was really, really good. I love my favorite character is Orla because I think she's hilarious and yeah. she's just so weird. She's so funny. So weird. And it's just, it was really good. It was lovely. You know, female friendships. We love strong female friendships. Love, love. love shenanigans. That mm. whole show is shenanigans. So many uh, shenanigans. Yes. It was just really, really lovely. Oh, nice. Good. A nice little bright spot in my day when I got to watch it, you know? Mm, love that. Big fan. All right, so everyone go watch Dairy Girls on Netflix. It's one of our faves. I've been waiting for Lauren to watch it forever, so I'm so excited that she watched it. It's so good. So speaking of redheaded people, hey. No one um, on that show has red hair. Okay, but Irish leprechauns do. Okay. I think that's a stereotype. Okay, well, I'm Irish and I have reddish hair, so I can make it. Reddish hair. Okay, I was just trying to segue <laughs> into our very first guest Speaking of season of... two. Yay! Speaking of amazing women, how about that? There we go. There we that's go. That's good. Uh, we have a really special interview today, everyone. Our girl Kate Lumpkin is here with us today. Oh. BA is love. yes she's amazing I'm honestly so excited for you guys to hear what we talked about with her and also she's kind of a leading lady club legend because she was one of the first people I told about my idea to have a podcast so she kind of she helped knew. encourage me in that and I didn't even know what it would be about so I didn't know it would be the leading lady club but she she really helped encourage me and kind of um helped focus my my thinking about what it might be about and that eventually led to the idea of the leading lady club so we're big fans of kate lumpkin if you are not familiar with her work she has lived many lives which we will talk about in our interview with her but probably best known for being a casting director and not just a casting director but the founder and lead casting director of her own company kate lumpkin casting so that is how i came to first know kate by meeting her uh, at a show actually and then eventually auditioning for her a couple of times and she i can say right now as an actor she has the most comfy comfortable loving warm room to audition in ever she's just the best and most supportive i know that really is saying something because listen it is not a comfortable thing to like walk into a room and audition for someone and like lay it all on the table for them but she makes it a really wonderful experience and now she has also become the director of community and brand at a new company called borrow baby um which basically she'll tell us more about it in the interview but it's a really amazing company that's doing a lot of good work uh for sustainable shopping it's a really great company so i can't wait for her to tell you all about it she is a woman who wears many hats and we are excited Mm -hmm. for you to uh, meet her or hear what she has to say, I guess I should say. So enough of my talking. I think we should just bring her in, Lauren. What do you say? Let's do it. 
All right, everyone, without further ado, here she is, Kate Lumpkin. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the show. Hi, hi, hi. Thank you for Hello. having me. Yes, we're so excited to have you. I have uh, mentioned this to you, but I'm not sure if everyone listening knows that you are more or less a big part of the reason this podcast even exists because yeah. you're one of the first people I told about my idea to have a podcast back before I even knew what the subject matter would be and uh you kind of helped me help me get that idea together a little bit so it's like very full circle to have you here I'm so excited here we are I'm so stinking proud of you I don't mean that in like a patronizing way I mean no. it in a real way like it takes a lot of courage to start something like this and you freaking did it so you're nailing it you did that Thank you. I'm really proud to be here because you made it happen that is very kind yes. well I'm already I'm already very into this interview and we've we're like 30 <laughs> seconds in so that's we're great. like all right well tears are coming we're doing great I knew this would be a good one um but we want to go back a little bit start at the very beginning if we shall a very good place to start um because obviously we know who you are now and who your career what your career looks like now but we did a little digging on your you website because I, I don't I don't, I don't. well okay so honestly saying we're gonna do a deep dive we're gonna <laughs> figure it out together we'll get there we'll do some we'll do some excavation if you will because Great. we did a little digging on your website and uh discovered that back before you were kind of a a theater career gal you had your degree in anthropology and folklore which is just maybe the most fascinating very combination of things i have ever heard someone major in and i'm very excited to kind of hear this explanation what made you choose those two subjects to study where where was that kind of inspiration coming from when you were in college yeah well i mean i actually did college twice so okay. i originally went to school for musical theater and went to conservatory i was in one of those mm -hmm. fancy pants programs mm -hmm. and very quickly dropped out of my fancy pants oh, program yes. mm -hmm. because it was really problematic for me. It's a school that a lot of people get a lot of really great things out of, but it was yeah. not a fit for me where I was in that moment in my life and where I was just kind of in general. And so I was like, mm, goodbye. Um, <laughs> and I, I left and I kind of started pursuing my career right away. Um, mm -hmm. I had already been an actor before college. I don't know why I felt like I needed to go to school to get a degree in it when I was already doing it professionally, but like, here we are, we made the choice. Mm -hmm. um, so I went back and I was working professionally in the city and then, um, I really, really, really wanted a degree. It was really important. And after a lot of random things that all came together, um, I decided to go to Indiana University. Um, oh, and Hoosiers. Hoosiers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> My and... aunt went there, and so we're big, we're big IU fans here. Come on, IU. But there's a lot to be a fan of. Um, but I actually, I had been doing, I had been writing and I was working on um, a play that I was working on uh, that was basically about gay men and straight women and how their relationships were kind of fundamentally changing the idea of marriage um, and what that looks like. And mm -hmm. I um, really, the, you know, IU is where the Kinsey Institute is, which is, you know, where people study sex and gender and identity um, and talk about it. And so I was like, that's the place for me. Um, and I decided I really wanted to focus my studies on the way we talk about gender and identity and personhood um, throughout our culture and our storytelling. Uh, and they have one of the best anthropology departments in the world. Uh, and so I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do. I want to study culture and society, how we create cultures, how we maintain them, how we create our leaders, and, um, uh, and then also 
couple that with how storytelling, i.e. folklore, reinforces those narratives, that creation, um, and all of that. And they have a brilliant folklore department, too. So I just kind of meshed them together um, and finagled this, this, you know, course of study uh, that really, really, really is wildly helpful when you're trying to create stories to create companies of actors, which are small civilizations, right? Small mm-hmm. groups of people. Um, and also it's really helpful when you're talking with creative people about what they're creating because their art is folklore. Their art is the creation of societies. And I feel like I'm really lucky. I have a, an incredible like vernacular and jargon that I can use to talk about things in a really structured way. Um, that's nice and helpful. And I have a degree in it. So there you go. Perfect. That's so cool. Yeah. I love that act a company of actors is like a small civilization. Like I've never thought of it like that, but that's mm. so true. It's like a little microcosm of the story that you're eventually going to be telling with whatever, you know, play or musical or whatever. That's so interesting. Yeah. Well, and I wish we talked about it like that instead of saying like, I'm making a family because I'm not making a family. Mm. Right. Artists and and the way that we create companies of artists it's not actually a family and that line that way we talk about those things diminishes the the business of what we do and Mm -hmm. it it makes our personhood and our business so completely coupled that it's very difficult to unknit them and so i wish we talked about companies of actors uh in a less like familial structure way in a more like civilization or societal way we are creating a small society there are going to be lots of dynamics in it there's going to be lots of things but it's much more related to the actual capitalism at play it's a business rather than like oh we're family because in a family those dynamics are very different than in a commercial production of something um and i think our language reinforces these kind of um tricky narratives that make it uh, make actors especially have feel like they have less agency and power yeah, that's true. And especially when they talk about it being a family, I feel like it puts a lot of pressure on like, oh, we all have to behave a certain way. We all have to like get along yes! or whatever. And then when tensions come up, then it's like probably worse than it might have been if you were only thinking about it like as a society. Because it's like you get in a fight with a neighbor or something, you're like, okay, figure it out and it blows over. But if you get in a fight with like your sibling or whatever, then it's worse. Right. It's a form of manipulation, quite frankly, yeah. Um, yeah. because it makes you feel like you're going to take more because if it's your mom saying it to you you're going to take it probably a little bit more than if it's your boss which is really who your director is your boss right they're Um, not your parent they're just you know in charge of you at the moment yeah like your producer is your president right like your director is your boss these are not your grandparents or your parents there's no dna there's no blood there's none of that um so it's it's interesting. And these are the things you think about when you major in anthropology and then you work in theater and marketing and creativity. And it's perfect. And it's perfect. Well, speaking of, so you mentioned that you were doing acting before you even went to your conservatory program, but you've also had a lot of other kind of crazy jobs. You mentioned marketing and PR. You were teaching in Tanzania for a little bit and you were yeah. working in national at National Geographic, which like, you know, everybody knows what National Geographic is. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> what were those experiences like? You know, how were they kind of connected? And then how did they get you to where you are now working in casting? Yeah, I mean, they're all super interconnected. And and honestly, right now, today, I am not working in casting. Like, if oh, we're right. being really honest. Mm-hmm. Um I'm actually working for a company as I'm the CCO of a new 
company. Um, and I'm not casting projects right now today um, mm -hmm. because of COVID and because of all sorts of other things. We've had to make life shifts. But what's really interesting, the question that you asked is like, how <laughs> did all these jobs lead to where you are? Well, um, I worked in Tanzania when I was, uh, when I graduated from high school, I took a gap year and I decided to go to Tanzania and work there for a year. So between my first year of college, the first time, um, <laughs> I, I moved to, to Africa and I lived in Tanzania and, and worked there, worked in a school there in Moshi, Tanzania, Raubat. It was beautiful. Um, and that was a really, really incredible experience. And that is another reason why I really wanted to study anthropology uh, later in my life. And after I studied anthro, I actually went right to working in the development office at National Geographic. And I was working there. And what I really learned there is how we couple um, capitalism and activism, how we couple the necessity of fundraising and uh, ex exploration. Um, and that was a real big eye opener for me because I had never <laughs> I had never had to ask people for money before. Yeah. I had never had to, you know, uh, that's not fair. I have had to ask people for money personally, but for something I was passionate about or something that I believed was really important. And the yeah. work that National Geographic is doing, I think personally for me, I think is very important. Exploration Absolutely. of the world, exploration of society and culture and understanding, it's vital. And so I, working in the development office there, had to ask people for money to do that, which is challenging. Um, mm -hmm. And Quite frankly, it taught me a lot about being a producer mm -hmm. and how to ask for uh, funding when you believe in a story, when you believe in something. Um, what else did I do? Oh, PR and marketing. Yep. I've done a ton of that for lots of different companies, including my own company. Um, yes. But I have worked for firms to help them develop their PR and marketing strategies. Um, I also work with a lot of folks on their social marketing strategies, and that is actually what has gotten me to a place where I'm now working with Borrow Baby, uh, which is a new completely circular and sustainable enterprise uh, where you rent children's clothing. And when children outgrow them, they go back into uh, circulation um, until they can't be worn anymore. And every piece of clothing is entirely sustainable and recyclable. So if we can't bury it, we don't carry it. When clothing is no longer usable, we compost every article of clothing. So wow. there is no waste to landfills. So I say all that to say, uh, I did my work at National Geographic, which made me passionate about sustainability and asking for money, um, which has led me to uh, moving. To, when I was there, I realized, oh, God, I miss theater. I have to go back. What am I going to do? And I was like, wait, I just studied societies and civilization. That's a casting director. So I just went into casting there. And after doing casting for almost nine years, um, when COVID hit and I was like, oh, God, what do I do? Um, <laughs> I could pitch myself and talk about myself as a community mm -hmm. builder, which I'm the CCO, which is the chief community officer at Borrow mm -hmm. Baby. I could pitch myself as a community builder, someone who understands community, how to make it work. I knew how to ask for money and we're in a fundraising you know, moment right now at Borrow Baby. Mm -hmm. I knew how to uh, build marketing and brand identity and all that, which is a huge part of what I do at Borrow yeah. Baby. Um, and I know a lot of talent. A huge part of what I do at Borrow Baby is setting up events, working with influencers, working with actors and talent. So I'm still on the phone with agents every day. I'm on the phone with all these people building this thing. So all that to say, you said that they were crazy jobs. I don't believe in the word crazy, but I believe in the reality that everything you do will be something that you put in your pocket that will yeah. come out later and be like magic dust. Because I just wish you could have been there when I pitched myself to this team. They were like, 
oh my gosh, you're a unicorn. And I was like, <laughs> am I? They were like, oh, wow. But we're all unicorns, right? Because yeah. I could ask either one of you to tell me all the things that you've done. And if you put those things together, it becomes a really beautiful, interesting package. Um, and will I do this forever? Probably not. You just heard the list of my entire resume of but bonkers. We could do this podcast next year and I'll be like, oh, well, I'm actually a marine <laughs> biologist now. And I'm, and I'm casting dolphins for Broadway shows. Like, who knows? Bring um, the dolphins to Broadway. Bring mm-hmm. them here. Yeah. But, but you just can't be scared to say yes to opportunity. That's I, and and that's bullshit because I'm terrified about what I'm doing right now. Um, but you got to do it anyways because waiting, do it. Yeah. waiting is just not it, folks. It's just not it. Absolutely, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, that was a really long answer to your question. No, Sorry, that guys. is fine. Well, it and was... I love. I also love the sound of this company. We love yeah. sustainability and like baby clothes, especially. That makes so much sense. They wear it for like a month and then they don't wear them anymore. And it it's a huge. I mean, we know fashion is one of the largest uh, proponents of landfill waste in the world, and fast fashion is so problematic. And children's clothing really digs into fast fashion because, like you said, kiddos. They grow like this. They grow real um, fast. They yeah. grow real fast. But also <laughs> making sustainable clothes is expensive because we know the hands who make these things. People want a fair wage. You don't want to be working with folks who um, are not being paid a living wage and can actually have a real life um, and quality of life. So we honor that the garments are more expensive, which is why it's a rental model. So you can rent things for two ninety nine a month um, for three months until your child outgrows them and then return them. And it, the cycle continues, which is... How has this not happened before? We don't know, but we're really grateful because here we are doing it. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah, that's such a, a genius idea. Um, so I, you know, hearing all of that, realized that maybe casting is not th- the moment right now, obviously. Oh, it's always the moment. I can <laughs> always talk about it because it's always there. And I'm, I'm still consulting with folks. So if you have questions about it, I'm not scared to answer them. That's amazing. That's good to know. Um, <laughs> because I am wondering, you know, you you worked for several different casting offices once you kind of moved into that part of your career into casting um, and then eventually started your own business, Kate Lumpkin, Kate Lumpkin Casting. This is why we have to edit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what sort of made you decide that you were ready to start your own business and become a business owner? Because I know that's not easy to do. So t- talk us through a little bit that moment where you made that decision to start your own business and maybe some of the challenges that you faced kind of starting out. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't not do it anymore. I, um, I really, I'm, I'm grateful to all the folks that I worked with because casting, like so many other businesses, is an apprentice-based business. Like you yeah. can't learn it unless you do it. Absolutely. So I'm grateful for people who took a chance on me. I'm grateful for the kind of fundamentals that I was taught. But quite frankly. I saw that there were really big holes in the way that it was happening. I didn't like the way people were talking about people's bodies. I didn't like the way people were talking about people's personhood. Um, it just didn't jive with me. And I thought there have to, there, what is, there's gotta be something better than this, right? Like there has to be yeah. a different way to do this. And I thought, I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to be someone's associate for 10 years so that yeah. one day I can start saying how I really feel, mm-hmm. right? Like I just couldn't do it. And I thought I'd rather cast three shows a year and have my name on the door than yeah. cast 30 shows a year and have to answer to someone else's style or feelings or truths. Mm-hmm. This just wasn't for me. Um, so I just kind of 
decided one day, I'm really lucky. Um, my mother is an entrepreneur. She started her mm. own business out of our home when I was a kiddo. And so I watched her build it. And I do think that set me up for um, a mindset of like, you can build this. Yeah. Um, and I had already built, I started working in the industry when I was eight years old. So I had spent a lot of time at that point um, meeting people, just quite frankly, like just meeting folks and acquiring relationships. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to just, I literally went home, bought a domain name uh, and said I was casting director, even though I had only ever been an assistant. I was never an associate. I was only ever an assistant. Okay. And I just said, okay, because quite, there's, it's not, it's not rocket science. Like <laughs> it's really not. Once you know the fundamentals of how it works, what yeah. a casting director does well is no people have a very specific lens, have a very specific taste and understanding of gifts, yeah. um, and also has built relationships. And I, I can do that. So I was like, I can do that. I have yeah. a lens, I have a taste level. I know folks, like, let's just ask. So I just said, let's go. And I did it. And I'm really, 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 you know, I sent an email to like 200 people that I knew that was like, I'm doing this. And I worked for free the entire first year I was casting director. I had other jobs that paid wow. my bills. And mm -hmm. um, I I worked for most people totally for free. Some folks like would give me Starbucks gift cards. Um, but mostly wow. what I did, yeah, but yeah. mostly what I did was free work to prove my worth because I needed to prove something at that point. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a resume that people could be like, oh yeah, that's a great cast, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but once I had done that, I set my rates and I stuck to them and the rest was history. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get into this more in a minute, but I do have to say, it's interesting that you say that because as someone who has only maybe once or twice, but as someone who has auditioned for you under Kate Lumpkin casting, um, I have never been in a more comfortable, safe room than walking into your room. Um, it's just, you absolutely like break down that weird barrier of like the people behind the table. And it's just, it's, and I don't know where that ever came from. Cause I don't know how we ever got away from it. Just being like people in a room together, having a conversation and sharing something with each other. You know exactly um, where it came from. Wait, wait, wait. Well, you know well, exactly where it came from. Yeah. It came from but let's name it because we haven't named it for 30 years. So let's name it. Where that came from is a desire for power and it, it is fear-based language. That mm -hmm. is people needing to feel big. That is people needing to feel bigger than. Yeah. And while I don't think everyone who uses that language would say like, I need power. The reality is we all want power. We all want control. We all want to feel seen and valued. And that language allows people in that position to feel powerful and valued and seen. And I honor that. I like, I like the feeling of sitting at that table. It's a good feeling. I wouldn't do that work if it didn't feel good. I, mm -hmm. I'm not going to like deny that. Yeah. But that language, we have to name it. That is, mm -hmm. that comes from a tradition. I'm just going to say it of like old white men needing to feel powerful at something. Um, even though casting actually, the modern version of casting was created by women, white women. Mm -hmm. um, that language, I think, and that desire for power is deeply rooted in in that quest and and we have to shift that that's why I don't say behind the table I say like we are at the table together or we are all in that space together because it's yeah. bullshit and it creates barriers 
And it was deeply rooted to make actors feel like they don't have agency to ask for what they need and want. And that kind of language reinforces it over and over again. So sorry. No, absolutely correct. I love that. Wow. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And it's just anyway, again, it's only been a couple of times because LOL, then COVID happened. But I I have (laughs) have always felt very safe and comfortable um, auditioning for you. And I just think that's a lot more rare than you would think for those who are listening and are not actors, because it really is. Um, it's it can be a very <laughs> dumb process sometimes. Um, dumb is a good word. Dumb, Most yeah. of the time. That's like a polite way to say it. Um, but speaking of <laughs> speaking of the pandemic, um, you did a really lovely thing during especially the kind of beginning, like height of quarantine um, and when everyone was sitting around on their hands or like baking bread or whatever people were doing at the time. Um, you created something called, uh, I believe the name now is the No Marking Society, uh, which I love. And it was basically kind of a forum for artists and creatives to come together and keep learning, keep working on our crafts, um, work on our mental and physical health and well-being during that time. Um, and it was a space where professionals and experts in their field were coming forward and basically giving free classes and and discussions and and lectures and things like that and and having an open conversation with creatives and it was just such a special special thing as someone who very much so participated uh during quarantine it was it was very special and it really i feel like gave us all like kind of a grounded place to come back to. I I mean, I literally like every day was like, okay, what class am I going to watch today? Um, And it just like was something to hold on to at the beginning of all the craziness. Um, So what was sort of your goal for starting that? And uh, what do you hope people took away from from that? Oh, thank you for saying that. Thank you. Uh, It was was, that was a a labor of love mm-hmm. because that was something I did by myself pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were doing seven days a week of classes, often yeah. two, two classes a day. And that went on for almost five months. Yeah. Um, that is a, a, we have over 300 free classes in our archive that still lives on today. So if anybody is looking for those classes, you can go and you can find them. I pay for that monthly so that y'all can, can do it. Um, but it, it was really important. I mean, Honestly, when when the shutdown happened, I was in LA. I was in final callbacks for a play that I was casting in LA. Literally the day of like the shutdown, uh, we were supposed to go to Disney World, uh, no. and um, <laughs> we were we had just finished the day of final callbacks. We had our cast. We were doing the rubric on the floor with all the headshots. We sent out offers. And our executive producer was like, we have to get the fuck to LAX. We have to go home because we are going to be stuck here. And so literally he got us, bless him, first class tickets on the last plane out of of LA to New York. And we went home and Broadway shut down and my business was gone. And no barking was an idea I had on the floor in that studio, which is where Britney Spears also um, rehearsed Toxic BTW. Oh, Okay. Um, like I'm living. The, the Britney vibes were fuel, like fueling my life. Immaculate. Yes. I put something up on Facebook that day that said something along the lines of like, if we're all going to be inside, would it be helpful if I, if I put together something where we could all like meet up and take classes and stuff? We went to LAX. When I got off the plane, it was like 
300 people had been like, yes, please, yes, please, yes, please. And it was like 800 likes and like 20,000 shares or whatever. And 20,000, that's hyperbolic. But it was all those other numbers. <laughs> A lot. And yeah. I was like, fuck, okay, we're, do like, we're doing this. Yeah. Um, and so I, I built the website overnight. I sent out, I wrote all the people who said like, I donated class, I donated class and just kind of like put together a schedule and started figuring it out as we went. And I think that my, my goal for it was, we all thought COVID was going to be a month at most. Yeah. It was just intermission guy. Like, no, when I started that, there was no world in which I thought five months later, I was still going to be doing seven days of programming yeah. a week for free. Um, I thought it was gonna be a great place for people to share their gifts and to connect. And I really wanted people to feel like they weren't alone in their little apartments as we had, you know, tanks rolling down the streets of New York telling us to stay inside. And there were body bags being rolled down 42nd Street. Like, mm -hmm. I wanted people to have a place to meditate and to talk about agents and try to feel normal, whatever that meant in that moment. Mm -hmm. And then five months later, I was still doing it. And I was asking people to do it for free, which felt not good when mm. these were people who now this had become their full livelihood, right? Like yeah. coaching or doing these things is how they were actually making coin. And I was saying, let's keep meeting for free. And it just, I realized I was using me, Kate Lumpkin. I was using no marking as a coping mechanism to not have to navigate the reality that I had no job. I had mm -hmm. lost my business. I no longer could pay my employees. I, I mean, I lost everything I had worked for for 10 years. Yeah. Um, overnight, I had people who were sick. I had every one of my friends was devastated because they had also lost everything that they had been working for. None of us could help each other. And I had been using it as coping mechanism so I could just avoid all of that. And mm -hmm. so at the end of August in that time, I was like, I gotta be done. I have to actually, I well, it wasn't even that I wanted to cut it off. It was like, Kate, if you don't look in the mirror and be really honest with the fact that your business is gone and people are rioting in the streets and we have to really do some work and figure out what we're all doing as a community, what I'm doing as <laughs> an individual. Yeah. Um, and so I had to stop. And one of my biggest saddest regrets is that I was, I think there was a secret thing in the back of my mind that was like, Oh, well, Playbill will come in and just like acquire it and I'll get to do it forever. Like, oh. this is what I want to do. Or like Broadway yeah. world will reach out or someone with money will help me do this. And nobody did, which is fine. That was not their responsibility, honey. We were all just trying to doggy paddle and like save just ourselves. Like, yeah. Um, but if anyone out there wants to fund it, I would love to keep doing it and create yeah. free programming for artists because I think pay for play is a total fucking joke. Oh, um, and education yeah. should be a free resource, especially for people whose incomes are always going to be lower than others. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was supposed to be a place where people could learn and grow together and I also really realized it was a uh, super big coping mechanism for me to try to give myself purpose and also yeah. completely avoid all the truths of what was happening in my real life so sometimes when we're doing that even if it's great and brave and helping people and people are giving you lots of positive reinforcement for it you have to step away and yeah. focus on the reality that you got to fix yourself um, mm. before you can help anybody else. Honey, put that oxygen mask on first. That's real. And yeah. I was not doing yeah. that. I was not doing that. So I'm really glad that it's that it was helpful for you. That is like yeah. the most tremendous gift. Um, and I'm really glad that I said, this is not helpful for me yeah. after yeah. five months and was like, you gotta, 
got to get your shit together. Absolutely. But I mean, are you kidding? Like the fact that it's all still up online, it's all still available is just, I mean, like you said, you're paying for that every month. Like that's still generous just because you like, quote unquote, stopped when, like you said, hello, like this, none of this was ever supposed to last this long. Um, That, I mean, what you said before is true. It was generous and brave and all of those things and just incredibly helpful. I have like a notebook full of notes from like all these different classes being like, haha, I have no career um, I'm away from my home. What do I do with my life? And I was like, I'll just yeah. take another class. Like that'll be what I do with my life today. Um, so it was a very generous, lovely, wonderful thing that you did for a lot of people. So thank you for that. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. We love it. Yes. And obviously you care very much about people. You care very much about fighting for people. And so you've been very outspoken uh, in your advocacy for diversity and inclusion in theater, um, especially when it comes to making audition systems easier for non-union actors, because I got out before I even got into the audition (laughs) thing. But I know from Caitlin that auditioning as a non-union actor sucks. It is Um, not a fun thing. Why is it so important to you to make sure that everybody gets a fair shot? Because that's the fundamental basis of life. Everybody should have a free shot. Everyone should be able to, uh, everyone who, especially the people, and I I do mean everyone, but especially Mm. the people who are brave enough to say, the thing I want to do most with my life is help other people see who they are through my craft to help other people honor and understand their own humanity when they can't or are not capable of doing that work. The work that I want to do is to make myself vulnerable publicly and talk about things through an art form where I know people will also judge me, manipulate me, do all these things. I'm still willing to put it out on the line because it's important to me to show other people stories that matter. When people are brave enough to say, like, that's how I want to spend my existence, this go round on this rock we live on, they deserve a chance to be seen. And I'm not here to say that I haven't had to make tough decisions or that I've always, like, done the right thing or said the right thing. Fuck that. I know I haven't. I know I've hurt people. I know my practices have hurt people. All all the things. I'm a human just like everybody else. But if there's anything that I can do to make sure that my job that I had, especially at that point in time, allowed people, and and every job I have moving forward, hopefully, allows people to be seen, be heard, and feel valuable in the moment that they are making themselves vulnerable. That's the fucking job. That's it. That's the job. Assessing talent, sure. Creating a a room and booking the room at Pearl, okay, sure. Oh, God. Pearl. Um, Rip. That's part of it, right? Like making sure the producers are happy. Absolutely, that's part of it. But the people who create a space where people feel safe to do vulnerable and dangerous work, like that's the job. And we all need to be doing that in all the different jobs that we do. But it's really obvious as a casting director when you have created that space and when you haven't. Mm -hmm. Um, And so why is it important? Because like, humanity is important because seeing other people's value is important. Um, And when you are in a position of power, whether you chose it or it was given to you, your responsibility is to make sure that you are using that position of power for the greater good. And if you're not doing that, well, there are lots of people who are not doing that. But if you have the opportunity and the self-awareness to do it, then you should. And 
there's never going to be a perfect way to do it because perfection does not exist. It's a societal construct period. Mm -hmm. But like the more you can work towards doing it, you should, you have to, you have to, you have to, we have to, the planet is hurting in so many ways. We have to, we have to show up for each other and that's it. And so if that means figuring out new ways for non-equity actors to sign up online and give them mm-hmm. an appointment, well then honey, find the software, do the thing. So build the Google program Doc. it, do yeah. it. Build the Google doc for goodness sake. Like there yeah. are so many things you can do and we just, we just have to do them. We have to break our patterns and our habits and establish new ways of doing this. I think. Yeah. Absolutely. We, we added a question to our lineup at the beginning of this before we started recording because um, Kate shared with us that she has some interesting perspectives and knowledge on Broadway kind of coming back after 9-11. And now obviously we're in this moment in time where even compared, I mean, compared to that, Broadway has been shut down much, much longer now due to COVID uh, than it even was then. So I think it would be really interesting to hear your your perspective and your take on kind of Broadway and what it looked like after 9-11, how it survived, how it came back, and then the future of Broadway now, what, what it's going to look like. I mean, granted, nobody knows for sure, but your kind of best take or best opinion on what it in the world it's going to look like now. Um, I hate to say after COVID because we're still absolutely very in, much in COVID, very COVID. much in the throes of it. So what are kind of your opinions or your thoughts on uh, on on those two huge events for Broadway and, and how we move forward? You know, I think it's really interesting because uh, I did not live in New York at the time of 9-11, but I was definitely very much a full grown person um, who was obsessed with New York and theater and Broadway (laughs) and all the things. Mm -hmm. Um, And the feeling that I got in that time and the feelings of people that I do know who were living there and working at that time, people were terrified to come to New York. People were uh, just terrified. Tourists were terrified to come back. And we know tourists make up 70% of the ticket sales in Broadway shows. Um, And so there were all, there was this incredible TV commercial. I'm sure you two are both too young to remember it, but there's an incredible TV commercial with Mm -hmm. every big legend and all these Broadway shows, you know, coming, they were standing in Times Square before the red steps existed. um, And they, I just, I'm getting chills on my arms thinking about it. And it was basically this like love letter to New York and they sang Mm -hmm. New York, New York, and they begged people to come back to New York. Um, And it was shows like, this is how we got to this question. It's shows like Mamma Mia that were these like very good time, good feeling reminded you of like family. People could just come and, release and be excited mm-hmm. um, that brought a lot of folks back to New York. Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting because a lot has happened. You know, 9-11 for all intents and purposes was one day of utter and horrific terrorist atrocities. And then years of trying to rebuild COVID has been years of atrocities and trying to rebuild at the same time that it's still going on, which is a different kind of um, experience. And what's happened during COVID with this kind of also social revolution in our country, um, we're asking for different kinds of theater coming back. We're asking for different stories. We're asking for different things. It's going to be really interesting to see um, how people 
respond like I can't, I can't wait I'm so excited about the shows that are coming that were not announced before new shows I'm so excited about Passover opening last night I cannot wait to see Passover yeah. um, but it's going to be really interesting to see what people are excited to come back to see I can't wait to have this conversation in 15 years and say like yeah. wow I never thought it was going to be xyz or like wow remember what happened at that show um I'm really, truly getting chills all over my body thinking about the conversations we're going to have in a decade yeah. about what what rebuilt us um, and what didn't and how we're going to navigate. I mean, the West End reopened and then it shut down again. It's shutting down. So we have all these shows that are announcing that they're coming back, all of these protocols and practices. Will it work? Will it not? What's going to happen? There's, yeah. It's very scary still. And I think the biggest fear for me is we have so many new playwrights and so many new stories. And I pray that they have the opportunity for long runs that mm -hmm. producers will not not produce them again because it didn't wasn't a wild success in the right. beginning of covid or it got right. shut down that is my fear that people are being set up um, yeah. to not be able to thrive in the way that they absolutely would in any other time if anyone had ever given them a fucking chance mm. um but now we're doing it now um so it's going to be really interesting but i really hope people show up and yeah. say yes and get vaccines if you haven't gotten the vaccine so that oh you can gosh. experience yeah. theater and the sanctity of that space and that community. Absolutely. Um, it is a healing balm. Uh, but I also am just hoping that people stay healthy and safe and well. Um, and I cannot wait for 10 years from now when we're talking about like what shows saved us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the legacy of the people who made them mm -hmm. and honoring, honoring the legacy of the people who wrote them, made them and created them. I know. I'm very excited to see, you know, how this is all going to play out because that's the scariest part is that we don't know. But mm -hmm. I agree with you. In 10 years, we'll be like, oh, here's all this amazing stuff that happened. So I think that'll be really, really cool. Or we won't. We'll be like, look at all this crazy shit that happened um, and how things fell apart. And we'll get to rebuild then. Right, and, right. Then, and then we'll get to do it again. And then we'll get to do it again. Either way, Love we it. keep thriving. Mm -hmm. But my loves, we've done it again and again and again and again. Like the thing that humans did around a campfire at the dawn of time was tell stories, even when they had no language to tell them with. Yeah. This will not die. It might change greatly, mm. but we'll figure it out. Humans have a, have a way of needing to be seen and telling mm -hmm. their stories. So somehow we'll figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. I believe that 100%. All right. Well, our last question that we have, our last like serious question, the rest of them are kind of fun. Um, right. What is, what advice do you have for anyone who is just trying to figure out their path and figure out their place in our, our little society that we have? Ask for help. Ooh. Ask for help. Don't be like me. <laughs> don't be like me. Um, <laughs> or don't be like me 15 years ago. I firmly believed that if people, if you wanted to be treated like an expert, if you wanted to be known for something, if you want to be good at something, then uh, you could never admit that you didn't know. You didn't have the right answer. You didn't know. Mm. And that got in my way so much. It got in the way of me ever knowing who I am, what I care about, what I stand for, whatever, because I just said this thing and then lived by the creed, right? Mm. And I, I had to be right. Um, the people that we admire the most in this world are the people who say, I have a great idea and I need help building it. I don't, the, it's the people who say, I don't know 
but I can help you find someone who will know the answer. It's the people who say, I don't know, but let's figure it out together. Right. It's also the people who say, I do know I've been there and um, I'd love to help you in that moment. So I think get over your shit folks get over your fear of looking like a failure. Failure is not real. It doesn't exist. Your version of failure is very different from your version of failure. It's very different than mine. Therefore it does not exist. It is not fact. Yeah. So, So get over your shit of your fear of failure or looking stupid or people thinking you are not enough. Ask for help. Dear God, get a therapist, please. They're wonderful creatures and ask for help. And if something is not working for you, get out. Yes. You don't win a prize for staying in a place that is hurting you, harming you, bad for your brain, bad for your soul. It's very, Mm -hmm. very, very rare that that's going to happen. Get out. If something is not serving you, change your path, find a new thing. There's a piece of me right now, now that I'm working in this other company, that's like, you failed. You failed. You couldn't stick it out. You're not a casting director today, right? This moment, everyone is going to think that you failed, that no one wants to work with you, that you don't have the answers anymore, that um, you're abandoning people, that you are a loser, that all these things, this is my, my thing every day in my brain. You're letting everybody down. You're letting everybody down. Everybody who you fought for, everybody who stand for, you're letting them all down. That is not the truth. No. I cannot, but, but I'm just saying this because I want other people to know that you're not alone if you're thinking those things. Mm-hmm. I have said yes to being the CCO of a major company at 33 years old, I've said yes to being a CCO and executive producer of this company. And I still feel like you've let everybody out. You're a failure. This is not right. Because I said 10 years ago, I was going to be a casting director. And then I did that. And I created a whole business by myself and I cast big ass shows. And I was on really important panels and like did the thing, but still in my brain, I'm like, Oh, well, if you're not still doing that, you're nothing. You're nobody. Nobody will care about you. You can't, change people you can't help people because you're not doing that what but that's what we do yeah. if it's not the path you set out then you think you have somehow failed oh yeah well, well my loves casting directing was not the path i set out to do anyways in the first place she wanted to be an actor first then she did another thing now we're doing another thing you can always go back you can always do these things give yourself permission to be terrified of something new and just ask for help when you get there Absolutely. I love that. Very good Big advice. fan of that. We're not in the yeah. business. I've said this before. We're not in the business of being miserable. So we just got to get Absolutely. out when we need to get out. And it's mm-hmm. not quitting. It's not bad decisions. It's a different decision for a different person at a different time. That's it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, that sort of wraps up, like Lauren said, our sort of more serious questions. We call this next. So serious. So Mm -hmm. very, very serious, very deep. Uh, we call this next section rapid ish fire because people get too stressed out if we just call it rapid fire. Um, so there's stressed. I love rapid fire. There's truly (laughs) no time limit on these questions. They're just a bit more rapid. Um, so obviously this is the leading lady club. So one question that we ask all of our guests on this show is what does being a leading lady mean to you? And that can be in your career, in your life, um, whatever that means to you, we want to know. Well, I would never call myself the leading lady. I would call myself the lead, period. Um, so there's that. Okay. Uh, I mm-hmm. am I am the lead of my own life. Yeah. And there's no, there's no 
co-scene partner in that. So you are the main that. character. Amen. I am. I have main character energy, and I've worked really hard to get there. So good for you. Uh, so like this is this is my show, and yeah. get off of my runway. Um, <laughs> yeah, like Mama Rose, your life. You know what I mean? If you get, if you know, you know. Um, <laughs> what does, so what does that mean to me? Mm -hmm. Yeah wake up every morning, put on the soundtrack you need to hear for your experience of a life, mm -hmm. put on the outfit that makes you feel like you're the main character, show up, do main character level work, be kind and generous to all the people around you, mm -hmm. um, thank them, because that is what leading ladies, if we're gonna go there, that is what they do best. Yeah. Um, but honor that you deserve to take that final bell and know what that means and take it in and enjoy what the audience is saying you deserve. And when you're done with that, let the curtain go down, turn around, look at everyone around you and say, we did that. And then go home. Oh my gosh. Boom. That was amazing. Absolutely. Rapid fire. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. And like it was all perfectly in the metaphor. I yeah, that was that was amazing. Um okay, well, knowing that that is your definition of being a leading lady or the lead, if you will, uh, who are some of the leading ladies in your life? Who are some of the the gals you look up to and and are inspired by? Hmm. Uh, like in my life that I know personally or like people just like in general it can oh. be either because I would definitely name both my mom and like Michelle Obama so absolutely anyone is allowed here mm -hmm. hmm. okay uh well I mean definitely like my mom and my sister are 120 percent mm -hmm. all of the women in my life who had children during COVID mm -hmm. inspire the hell out of me mm -hmm. um I cannot even fathom what those women went through in that process. Yeah. Um, and the strength that that took, I will never know. Um, AOC is someone that I look up to tremendously. Yeah. Um, someone who is not afraid to say, get off of my runway. Mm -hmm. um, and does it for other folks, which I find beautiful. Um, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Uh, Audra McDonald. <laughs> <Duh. Yeah>. uh, <laughs> All uh, hail Queen Audra. Is a queen. Yes, uh, in Absolutely. general. Duh. Um, oh my gosh, there's so many people that I'm not thinking of, but it's okay. Is that enough? Yeah, no, no that's, that's absolutely okay. enough. I know that okay. one kind of stresses people out because they're afraid if they name names, they'll forget someone. So that's yes. that was perfect. Oh, I forgot everyone, but those well, are some folks that that's immediately. Okay. Make me yeah. beautiful. They know who they are, I'm sure. Great. Um, Great. Well, speaking of some people that you maybe don't know, but look up to or think are cool, uh, this is my favorite question that we ask on every episode of this podcast. If uh, you could have a dinner party and invite three people, living or dead, who would mm. you invite? It's my favorite question. Don't ask me why. I just think it's really interesting. People have a lot of cool answers to this one. Oh, my gosh. I know. Really? It's a, a general yeah, reaction. What everyone says. It's tough. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> Catherine Hepburn, for mm, sure. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Here, here's the thing. I know this is not, <laughs> this is not going to be the typical answer. Okay. It's not going to be perfect, but I would want to have a table called Kate the Great. And it would be me, Catherine Hepburn, um, Catherine of Aragon, uh, Kate Winslet, Kate Blanchett, and um, yeah, no, that's good. Amazing. That's oh, who I love. Oh, my theme gosh. table. That's, that's fun. so good. Kate the Great. I love that. And I would just sit there and listen to those incredible humans just mm -hmm. tell me stories about, like, all the amazing achievements and also all of the, like, loneliest, deepest, darkest days 
where they just sat and ate Nutella with a spoon or whatever it was during their generation, crying alone in a room, terrified for their life. And I would just take notes. Just write it all down. Incredible. Yeah. I love a theme. Dancer. We never yeah. had a themed table before. That's very yeah. hey, that was really I love a theme. I we love, love a theme. A theme. Oh, me too. Me too. Um, all right. Do you have a dream show to cast? And it can be like a show that already exists, or it can be a, an idea for a show that you have. Hmm. Uh oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. Um a dr- and I have to cast it. It well, would be a show. I guess you yeah. don't have to if you want to do if you want to be involved in another way. I know you're definitely a multi hyphenate art artist. So if you want to write or produce or direct or act or anything you want to do, mm-hmm. well, I'm actually writing a book. Um, cool. And it is uh, it's fantasy and it is um, really exciting to me. And so my dream, I can't wait to talk to you all about it in a real way but I can't yet Mm -hmm. but my dream my dream will be to produce that Mm -hmm. uh for film and tv to produce a streaming series of that book and Mm -hmm. to cast the shit out of it um and then for it to be so popular and successful that we do like an immersive theatrical event of this show which would be very cool Mm -hmm. um and have like Bridgerton level excitement about this world that I'm creating with my partner. And uh, yeah, there's, nice. there's wow. yeah, it would be amazing. Absolutely. I'm already wait, obsessed with this. I can't wait for you all to meet these characters. They're very Oh, exciting. I'm already in love. I was about to say that was very exciting to me because Lauren and I are both big like fantasy book gals. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, cannot wait to read this. Also, when this becomes like, a film or TV sh- series or immersive show or whatever it becomes, please just call me. Like, not even not even to, like, you know, for you to, like, let me audition. Literally just call me to, like, so I can be there to, like, watch just it. Just so we know. Yeah, just so I'm aware. Um, not that I won't be, because I'm sure it'll be everywhere. Wow, that is very exciting. I, that was a great answer. I cannot wait to read that. Um, do you have a favorite show that you've cast? I know that's probably, like, Choosing a Child, but was there one that was just, like, so special? My God, honestly, there's so many that were so special. Yeah. Um, ones that come to mind, though, are doing We Are Here with Stephen Hoggett because watching mm-hmm. Stephen Hoggett work was like, uh, I'll never experience going. anything like that again. Yeah. Um, I'm really proud of the We Are the Tigers cast because mm-hmm. of all of those women, for most of them, for a lot of them, it was one of their first like bigger shows. And now to see them like blowing up and to oh, see them yeah. all like starring in Hamilton and like being in the Sex and the City reboot and like okay. starting their own businesses like it's mm-hmm. just kind of incredible and then also Bandstand because it was such a labor of love like that national tour was an eight and a half month process of casting and so I like I love those humans they were such a great group of people and I'm just so stinking proud of them and that mm-hmm. work so yeah but like also everything everything like, all of it of course Kate, you yeah. may not know this about me, but I am like Bandstand's biggest fan. I literally saw it on Broadway. We were just talking about this. I think I saw it like six times and it was only you on saw Broadway. It, six times. Yep. it was on Broadway for like four months. I literally <laughs> saw it more than once a month. So that's a little embarrassing. Um, but I love Bandstand. So I was so excited to see that you were casting that. I was so excited to get to audition. Hello, speaking of letting non-union people sign up online and audition for things. Shocking. Um, was so excited about that. And I was I wish I could have seen it because I'm sure it was absolutely spectacular.
Okay, the very last thing we're going to put you through is our favorite segment on this show, our BuzzFeed Quiz of the Week. Uh, we love, as the millennials that we are, to put our guests through the process of filling out a BuzzFeed quiz so that we can learn just a little bit more about bit them. More. And I thought this one would be fun because, like I said, you are definitely uh, an artist who is has many different skills. You're involved in many different things, writing being one of them. So how perfect. I didn't even know you were writing a book. I just had a feeling. I was like, I'm pretty sure Kate writes, right? So we're going to challenge you. Right? There we go. I knew it. We're going to challenge you now to write a Broadway hit, and then it will reveal your best quality, supposedly. Um, so I will read the questions. Lauren will read the answer. Great options and you can feel free to follow along um but we will also click your answers so no pressure are you ready oh i'm so ready i'm so excited <laughs> i am too this is gonna be fun okay so first where does your show take place either a bustling city a fairy tale village a villa on a tropical island another dimension a sleepy beachside town or a college campus a fairy tale village, duh. Good, duh. Obviously. I had a duh. feeling now that we heard about the fantasy book, I was like, I feel like I know where this is going. Uh, all right. What time period is it set in? Either the present, 1,000 years in the future, the Middle Ages, the 1970s, during the French Revolution, or in 2024. All of them. Um, <laughs> let's see. Let's, 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 uh -huh. let's go Middle Ages. Middle Ages. Mm -hmm. Good choice. So I would love to see what a fairy tale uh, village in the 1970s looks like. Ooh, I know. Hmm. Um, okay, who is playing the main character? Ooh, either Adina Menzel, Jonathan Groff, David Diggs, Krista Rodriguez, Jasmine Cephas Jones, or Skylar Aston. David, duh. Uh, I am just my so gosh. in love with that man. I'm picturing him in a fairy tale village and I am very excited. I'm into it. Very into it. Um, all right, who will play the main character's love interest? Either Billy Porter, Lauren Patton, Jesse Mueller, Leslie Odom Jr., Norbert Leo Butts, or Kiala Settle. Oh gosh, oh gosh, oh gosh. It's quite a, quite a, quite a list to choose from. I want to say Leslie Odom Jr. because, but but because they've already starred opposite each other in a show, I'm not going to do it because we've okay. seen the dynamic. Yeah. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go Jesse Mueller because I feel like that would be Ooh. a fascinating dynamic, yeah. and she and she is the best voice ever. Just so talented. Well, maybe not that. Uh, I don't know. It's that's complicated. She's yeah. very talented. She is way up there. That's Incredibly. for sure. Incredible. Way up there. Yeah. Um, all right. What is the main conflict of the show? These are funny. Uh, either unrequited love, an alien invasion, moving to a new place, losing a best friend, witnessing a major crime, or discovering hidden superpowers. I mean, oh, I... <laughs> Um, discovering a hidden superpowers. Nice. I think witnessing a major crime would just be kind of funny in this also, particular setting. I'm also dead for an alien invasion. In an alien setting. invasion. I was in just thinking the that. Middle Ages. Yeah, that would have been wild. Um, all right, who will sing the show-stopping number? Either the main character, the love interest, the com the comedic relief, or the villain. The villain. 
Yeah, we love a good villain song. We love a table turn there. All right, let's see. Oh, you are compassionate. That's, I feel like, very true. It says you are a warm, open-minded, and loving individual. People feel safe and appreciated when they are with you. Ding, ding, ding. We've talked about that. Your philosophy is to lead with love, and you like to live an optimistic life. Hello. Wow. Perfect. Wait. I did the quiz at the same time and got a different answer with the <gasps> same answers. Weird. <laughs> Buzzfeed, explain yourself. I Buzz feel feed. so lied to. Mine says that I'm trustworthy. That's what oh. it says here. That I mean, that's also friend. true. Okay, well, that's also true, but I am a little bit shook <laughs> right now. Buzzfeed, explain yourself. How does that algorithm work? <laughs> It's like it's completely randomized or something. That's weird. I like both of those answers, so I'm not that. I was about to say. And you know what? You're both of those things. They're both true. So, you know, why have one when you can have both? Uh, That's so funny. I feel like the real joy of that quiz was building this wonderful uh, show-stopping Broadway hit. But I I feel like I made all the wrong choices. It should have been 1970s medieval (laughs) village with an alien invasion. Like, clearly I made all the wrong choices. Well, no, we'll just have to go back and try it again. It's all good. Absolutely. (laughs) Choose choose your own adventure. Oh my goodness, Kate. This has been so much fun. Uh, So enlightening. And I feel like we we got a lot of good advice and wisdom from you, which we really appreciate. And just had so much fun. We appreciate you being here so much, taking time out of your busy schedule. And uh, we hope we get to see you again real soon. And if you would like to let everybody know where to follow you on social media and elsewhere, let us know where they can find you plug away oh my gosh anything am, and everything i am highly googleable so if you just highly put googleable. my name if you put me in the google you will find me but you can also find me on instagram and tiktok at kate Mumpkin, which is where i do most of my work tiktok is actually where i do most of my free stuff now mm-hmm. um but you can find a lot of my writing and stuff on instagram as well you can find me at kate-lumpkin.com uh you can get in contact with me there and uh, lots of other places but again just google me uh, you'll find me <laughs> Amazing. It's so easy to just type it into Google and then there you are. Absolutely. We love that SEO. What is it? Search engine. Yes. That. Optimization. Yeah. There we go. There we go. I know what I'm talking about. See, (laughs) sort of. Um, My last name is McNeilage. So I've always been easy to find because. Um, All right. We love it. Thank you so much for joining us, Kate. We'll talk to you soon. And uh, thanks for being here. Bye. Bye. Oh man, isn't she the best? She's so cool. I just love like her perspective on things of like, mm-hmm. you know, her her college degrees and how that kind of has informed her entire career and her like outlook on theater. I just think it's like very fascinating. She's so cool. Yeah. And she's such a like ally and champion for mm-hmm. diversity and champion for people who whose stories aren't always told, which is so important. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's also, like you said, such a cool perspective that she has as someone who's literally been studying stories and how we tell stories. Yeah. In different, in different ways throughout her career. So I just think that's so important. And she's really just such an advocate for people uh, who haven't always had a place at the table. So I think she's, she's really does a good job of talking the talk and walking the walk. So we love Kate. Oh my gosh. One of my favorite things about this podcast is like thinking of some really cool, like awesome lady that I know and like bringing them on the show. And then 
I'm like excited to talk to them, but then also I'm like, oh, I can't wait for Lauren to like meet this person that I already know and think is really cool. And like, I just know how much you're gonna think they're amazing. And every time I'm like, I'm in love with her. So, I know, yeah. and I just get so. It's like when you have like a favorite movie or a favorite book and like you really want to share it with someone you love and like you want them to love it as much as you do. Mm. I feel like that, but like with people and with yeah. you. I was gonna <laughs> like, say, that was me with, oh, that was very nice. <laughs> I was like, that was me with American Royals and you. I was like, I know she's gonna love this book as much oh, as I do. You guys, American Royals. Okay, quick, quick, quick side note. Lauren and I have both been reading this book series is it called a series when Duol- there's only two duology a duology, a duology mm-hmm. which don't even get me started on how angry i am about that i thought it was a book series oh. and i read them both and i got to the end of the second one decided to google it to see what people were saying about it and people were like yeah apparently this is the last book and i was like what, what? i was so upset Rude. but i'm listen, still i'm only halfway through the second one so you gotta finish it so we can discuss well. because there are so many things i have so many thoughts and feelings also, I need for this to be a, a like movie. TV show or movie. TV it would show, be, yeah. it, would it would be, be good, perfect. It would be so good. Netflix would be the perfect place for it, and mm-hmm. you know who should produce it is Reese Witherspoon's production company, Hello Sunshine. So anyway, bring that out to the universe, Reese. If you're listening, yes, I absolutely will co-executive produce and star in it. Like you don't have to beg; it's fine. I'm like here. it's fine. I'm already on board. <laughs> I'm available. I would make a great Beatrice. Like, just give me a call, girl. You would make a great Beatrice. Thank you. You're welcome. I agree. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) I am great. I am great. I love myself. I'm just kidding. (laughs) As you should. This is what happens when we record at the end of what has already been a very long day, and I'm just, like, slap slap happy, and I'm like... It is late. We're both tired. We both Mm -hmm. need to eat. Yeah, we do. So, you know what? I think without further... On that note. On that note, I think we should wrap up our very first episode of season two, baby! So excited. Thank you all for hanging in there with us and supporting us throughout season one. And now for coming back for season two, we really appreciate it. And if you would like to continue to follow and support us, Lauren is going to tell you where you can do that. Ooh, where do I remember? I do remember. It's harder to remember than you than you realize. It's okay. I remember. You can follow us on Instagram at the Leading Lady Club. You can also find us on our website, leadingladyclub.com. Uh, you can listen to this podcast wherever it is that you decide to listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the other ones that, you know, I still don't know, but they're there. Uh, you can leave us, you can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can leave us a nice review telling us how beautiful we are and how much you missed us. You can subscribe to us everywhere. And we're so excited for all the ladies we're going to talk to this season. We are so excited. You're all going to be blown away. They are so cool. And we are so excited. And we have some ladies in some different careers that we haven't uh, had on before. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun stuff coming up. So stay tuned. New episodes every week. And we will be right here again next Monday. So we hope that you'll join us then. All right, everyone. Have a great rest of your Monday. Bye. Bye. Oh, I bet they all missed our high pitch. I Bye. bet they did. I bet they I sure did. I bet they heard it and they just went, oh, they're back.